following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Okay. Well, this is not how today was supposed to go. <laughs> in fact, uh, the last two weeks have been kind of a scramble. Um, Nate was supposed to preach last week, and I was supposed to lead worship uh, as Joel and family were traveling. Um, and the first Sunday of the year, of course, is National Let the Youth Pastor Preach Sunday. Uh, we celebrate that here every year. Um, uh, so everything was supposed to shift a week. Uh, um, but Nate and, as Nate and Becky tested positive for COVID, here we are. So Nate is planning on preaching the next two weeks. Uh, to make up for it, so you can you can be in prayer for him as he uh, as he prepares for that. Um, and I'm also going to be starting a new series um, on the works of Luke, uh, but I didn't want to start that only to take two Sundays away from it. Um, so the Lord has provided me this opportunity to share something a little bit different than usual. So we're going to look at First Corinthians chapter nine. Uh, verses 24 through 27, and that's page 957 in the Pew Bibles. Uh, and I want to consider a um, consider an illustration that the Apostle Paul uses uh, in reference to his life work. And we'll talk a little bit about that term life work as well as we as we get into it. So First Corinthians chapter nine, starting at verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, again, we thank you for the opportunity to gather around your word. I thank you, Lord, that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. We pray, Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit, uh, that you would cut deep this morning through your word. Cut through the things that um, keep us from following you. Uh, keep us from being obedient to your word. We pray, Lord, that your spirit would uh, be at work in each of us, guiding us in truth, because we know that your word is truth. We love you, Lord, and we give you this time for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I wonder... Um, when considering our individual philosophies of life, um, the reality is that our, our thoughts on the matter resemble, resemble uh, uh, the poster with the cat. Can you put up the poster with the cat? Hang, hang in there, baby. Right? Is that like our... <laughs> Sometimes that's just our philosophy of life. Right. Just just hang in there. 
for many of us, this is true to a degree, but uh, that our goal is is just to survive, right? Just to to make it through, to simply finish the race. Um, and when I was uh, when I was a younger man, um, my thoughts about my purpose in life um, had a lot to do with what my job was, what my vocation was, um, and I didn't see. I didn't see a way to fully serve the Lord unless I was a pastor, like unless I was in vocational ministry. Um, after all, what can a machinist possibly do to serve the Lord? Uh, that's uh, that's the way that I thought about it. And hopefully you can see uh, the folly of my thinking that that's that's ridiculous. If um, if I were right, then then we all would have to be pastors. Right. We'd all have to be preachers in order to be faithful servants of the Lord. Um, And that's ridiculous. That's obviously that that can't be true. So there has to be more to it than that. And that's where the idea of life work comes in. What is our what is our life work? And when we consider our text this morning. uh, What could Paul have possibly meant um, when he said to run the race in such a way that you might win, right? If our if our goal in life is just to finish the race, you know, we're going to run in a certain way. But if our goal is to win, we're going to run in a different way. And though Paul is using a metaphor, he clearly thinks that there is a right way and a wrong way to do it. There's a right way and wrong way to serve the Lord with our lives. He doesn't instruct us just to keep running until the race is over. Just hang in there, baby. He says, run to win. So to apply this idea of running the race to win, we have to consider what's necessary in order to do that. Uh, I've I've never been a competitive runner. As you might be able to guess. Um, In fact, I've only ever run one one race. I've, I've run in one race in my lifetime, and it was a two-mile fun run uh, in Center Harbor maybe 15 years ago. Um, and two miles was longer than I had ever run before at one time. And by the time it was over, I thought I was going to die. Um, but I, I did finish. I finished the race. But I didn't run to win. I, I ran to run. I ran to get the T-shirt, right? That's just to say that I did it. Running to win takes a lot more preparation. Uh, it takes a lot more training, takes a lot more determination, and a lot more focus. Running to win is hard work. But just because it's hard doesn't mean it's bad. Now, I'm still not going to run races ever, ever again. But I can still, and you can still with me, train to run our race to win. Paul describes uh, not running aimlessly, not one uh, boxing as one beating the air. Right? He understood what his life work was. And he understood the track that he was to run. Uh, And he ran with purpose and disciplined himself to avoid distraction. 
Now, in the broader context of these four verses, um, these four verses in chapter 9, if you, if you look at chapters 8 through 10 of 1 Corinthians, Paul is arguing for the use of biblical freedom in carrying out the progress of the gospel. Like he's, he's already been talking about his life work and the freedom that is his um, to, to, bring, to bring the gospel uh, to the world in the most uh, in the wisest way possible, um, varying his approach based on the needs of the circumstances that he was in. You know, to the weak I became weak, uh, to the you know um, for the Jews I became like a Jew, and for the Gentiles I became like a Gentile, and all that sort of thing. He was willing to shift his strategy based on the needs of the circumstances. In all of chapter nine, until we get to the four verses of our text. Paul has been talking about, uh, he's been arguing that he has a right to make his living um, off his work of preaching and teaching, um, but that he chooses not to. Like he says, do, do, um, don't I have the, white, the right to uh, bring along a believing wife like the other apostles? Uh, or is it just Barnabas and I that uh, have to live this way and, and make tents uh, you know, in order to support our work? Uh, so, so stuck in the middle of this of this section talking about um, Paul's freedom and and doing his work, we have these four verses about running the race to win. So typically, what happens is uh, when when a preacher or teacher works on these uh, this. These verses, they take them out of that context and just talk about running to win and don't talk about the rest of what's going on because uh, it's really easy to fortune cookie this one um, because it, it has a clear subject matter and it, and it kind of exists on its own, right? Well, it doesn't. Now, 1 Corinthians was one long letter. There were no chapters and verses when Paul wrote it. This is a thought stuck in the middle of other thoughts working all together. So if we take this these four verses out of this overall context, um, which probably happens every single time somebody preaches on them, myself included, I've preached on this text before, just these four verses. But we take them out of context. We'll start talking about the race of life in a general sense uh, and try our best to describe how to run that race well, right? That's easy to do, and it's easy to see how that could be done. But if you consider the larger context where Paul has been talking about his use of freedom uh, in the progress of the gospel and considering the rest of chapter nine is all about how he personally carries out uh, his personal life's mission as an apostle. Considering that overall context, the race that Paul is talking about is not just the race of life. It's much more specific than that. He's not just talking about his life, he's talking about his life work, right? Um, Jeff Reed wrote, the race that he's talking about is the race of completing the overall life work that has been placed before him by Christ. He states two things that are necessary in order to complete it. Disciplining his life and taking a careful aim as he goes about his life work. So let me read some of those verses again. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. 
I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself myself should be disqualified. So exercising self-control and discipline, he sought to bring his whole life under a one-purpose discipline. Right, Paul, like maybe you think Paul has an advantage over us because he knew what his life work really was, and sometimes we're kind of not really sure. Like, what am I? What am I really here to do? Um, like, all you have to do is live life until you die. That okay? You finish the race, right? Um, but how how do you run the race marked out for you? Because it's probably uh, different than it is for me uh, and for the person sitting next to you. Um, so Paul knew what his life work was, lucky him, and it was to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, right? So, like, Jesus appeared to Paul on the road to Damascus and said, this is what I want you to do. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be easier, right? His life work was to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, to establish churches, to train men to shepherd those churches, and to entrust those churches to repeat the process, right? His focus was on this work, and he disciplined himself to keep from getting distracted. He took very careful aim at this goal. Well, I, I don't know that the world that Paul lived in is much different than ours. Uh, honestly, I'm sure there's, well, there's a lot of things that are different, but we live in a world that is loaded with distractions, and Paul did as well. Um, but maybe the difference is we, we love distraction, right? We pay the, through the nose for distraction. We, we pay monthly for distraction, right? That's, <laughs> don't, you don't believe me? You got one of these in your pocket. It is a professional distraction device, right? And you paid a lot of money to get it and pay every month to use it, right? We're just loaded with distractions and we love it. But for Paul, taking careful aim involved a complete focus on the goal of completing his life work. He was single-minded in his approach to life. Um, and we have, we have a lot to learn about that. Uh, at least I do. One of my favorite verses, uh, or my favorite, one of my favorite passages is Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Uh, and I usually stop at 9 and don't go on to verse 10. Um, but we should. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Right? We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And that's so important. And these, these verses are the are the bedrock of that thought. But there's also verse 10. And verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has created good works for us beforehand that we should walk in them. Meaning God has prepared good works for you, 
and for you and for you and for me. But they're not all the same. They're created by God for you to walk in. And though we all have different gifts and different circumstances and different opportunities, we, we are all still in a similar situation to Paul. We have a life work. Whether you know it or not or know exactly what it is or not, you have one. God has created one for you. And we all need to follow Paul's example we, need to, we all need a single-minded focus on our calling, on our life work. We need to use our freedom in Christ to best carry out that life work. We all need to do the good works that God prepared beforehand for us to do, no matter what our actual vocation is, no matter how you earn a paycheck. That's irrelevant. We need to discipline our lives like athletes that are competing for the prize. We need to be focused on what that is and what do we need to do to do it. And our prize, our prize is the satisfaction of faithfully completing the life work that we, which, to which we have been called by the Father. When we hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant, and that's, that's a prize. That's an imperishable wreath. Those are the words of God, right, that we're longing to hear. In considering what it takes to develop a single-minded approach to life, the author Robert Banks wrote, The first step is to become clear about the main path that God requires us to follow. We can be quite sure that whatever God wishes us to devote ourselves to he will grant us time enough in which to do it. Our responsibility is to find exactly what he wants and hold resolutely to that. One of our greatest problems is that we misunderstand what God asks of us, either by adding all kinds of extra responsibilities or possessing only a hazy idea of what he wishes. We will gain more time by properly understanding his will for us than by all the time-saving suggestions put together. No amount of reordering and rescheduling our affairs, no amount of trimming and delegating our responsibilities, no amount of organizing or managing our time will achieve the same result. It is a matter of taking Jesus' words seriously and applying them to this particular issue. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will come to you as well. That's Matthew 6:33. That is discover what God's will is for you and all the time you need to fulfill it will come your way. I the thought of adding extra responsibilities to what God requires of us, all kinds of extra things or only having a hazy idea of what God actually requires of us is what keeps us from doing what God has built us to do. Discovering what we are built for, discovering what those good works are that the Lord has prepared for us to do, that's what it means to discovering what God's will for your life is, what God's will for you is. We need to evaluate ourselves we need to think about ourselves thoroughly. Consider what it is that the Lord requires of us, specifically what he requires of every believer. And also consider uh, 
what what it is that he requires of us individually according to how he has built us. Oh, God has not called me to be an opera singer. Right? Uh, in, in, you can think about how you're built, what it is that you enjoy, what it is that you're good at. God built you that way. That's not a mistake. That's not an accident. That's not natural selection that's gotten you to that place. We need to think about what it is that he requires of us each individually according to how he built us. Robert Banks also wrote, we must draw a distinction between the central and the peripheral in our lives. Like Paul, we need to know where our main responsibilities lie, and we must leave everything else to one side, no matter how worthwhile or legitimate those concerns may be. You get that? We need to draw a distinction between the central and the peripheral. What's most important and what's on the edges, what's on the outside. We need to know where our main responsibilities lie and we must leave everything else to one side, no matter how worthwhile or legitimate it might be. I've heard all kinds of, um, I don't know what they're, motivational speakers or whatever, say, you know, the opposite of the, no, the enemy of great is good, right? You find a good thing and it's good, but it's not great. And you can't do great because you're too busy doing good. I, that's kind of lame. Um, but there's some truth in it, right? Focusing on our main responsibilities, on our main life work, we're going to have to say no to other things, to leave other things aside. So we're left, uh, we're left with some questions to consider, and I did make a slide on this so you can put it up on the screen. Um, just a few questions that we're left to consider. Okay. What are some of the things that seem to distract us from giving undivided attention to the call of God on our lives and our life work? What is it that gets in the way? How can we live a totally focused life and still enjoy it? <laughs> right? What would that even look like? You know, if my, if my only um, focus on in life is keeping my tools sharp, then I have to say goodbye to everything that keeps, like, what kind of life is that? There's got to be a balance in there, right? So how can we live a totally focused life and still enjoy it? There are lots of responsibilities that we have. What would it take to bring our lives under the kind of discipline that Paul models for us? I think Paul is a great example, and we need to understand and remember that he isn't perfect, right? He's a, he's a man, right, just like we are. He's not God. He's not Jesus. He is a man, and he had the Holy Spirit through faith in Christ, no different than us. But he learned to discipline his body, right? Focus his life. And these aren't questions that I can answer for you. Um, but they are questions worth wrestling with. What is it that keeps us from doing what it is that God has built us to do? I found in my own life, personally, the most freeing thing I ever did was figure out what it is. 
fig, like figure out what the life work was. What am I? What is it that I am uniquely built to do? And as it's not as narrow as what your job is. Like I'm uniquely built to be a pastor. I, I'm not, right? Uh, I'm uniquely built to build. I'm uniquely built to develop and establish um, things, whether it's people or like my my hobbies um, include doing that. My my work includes doing that only with people instead of things, right? That's that kind of life work is what you find yourself doing, no matter if it's your job or your hobbies or whatever. Um, and if you have questions about that and thoughts about that, I would be happy to sit down and talk with you one-on-one um, and kind of walk you through the process that I took uh, to get to that place um, to figure that out. But I think it's really important. That was one of the most freeing things and most life-changing things. Like It totally messed up where I thought I was going um, in my life. So it, 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 everything changed. Um, but I have to keep going back to that and stay focused on that. So anyway, uh, I hope you write these questions down and think about them, wrestle with them. And again, like I said, if you have any questions or want to talk about that, I'm certainly available. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for... um, this word. We pray, Lord, that you would help us each to discover um, what your design for us is, what the life work and, and good works that you have prepared beforehand for us to do, what those things are. I pray, Lord, that you would uh, grant us the freedom of knowing what it is that we're built to do so that we can be about that work and we can keep from being distracted by things that that don't move us in that direction. Lord, um, we pray that your spirit would continue to work. Uh, bring these questions to our mind and uh, help us to chew on these thoughts and not just ignore them and let them pass. Uh, Father, we want to be more effective uh, disciples of you. We want to grow in maturity as we grow in your grace. We love you, Lord, and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.